Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Well, it's harvest season. Um, we went to the pumpkin patch yesterday again. Who, who is a multiple pumpkin patcher? You, you go more than once. You know, be brave. I see, you, I see that hand. I see that hand. So I encountered that. I got to go with the homeschool academy. I drove the, the church bus out there. I was the bus driver. That was fun. Then we went again yesterday, but I, I did not appreciate the weather. I had mentally come to a place of preparing for cold. Anybody else? I already got the sweaters out, already got the coat out, got the gloves out, and I, I find myself sweating at the pumpkin patch, so I'm working on that with the Lord. And, uh, but it's time for chilies and soups. I love making chili. I am a former chili champion of the Destiny Church Chili Challenge. I wear that proudly. Uh, but one of the best things that goes with chili or with soup is cornbread. Anybody else like cornbread? Let's make some. One second, please. I done broke the microwave. And we're good. All right, so uh, my, my family is from the South. My dad grew up in Mississippi. Cornbread is serious. It's serious. And so I have some ingredients to make cornbread this morning. And uh, okay, let's go. We ready? Uh, cornbread, corn. Okay, the first thing is corn. I have some corn. <laughs> Halfway done. Okay. I'm not going to set that on this pulpit. Okay. And then we have bread. Everybody say bread. bread. Additionally, gluten-free. And I like my cornbread thick, dose bread. Here we go. And we're ready to go. Oh, hold on. All Southern food needs... Stick of butter. Who loves butter? Someone just give a shout of praise for butter. Okay, we got corn, we got bread, we got butter. I think we're ready to go. And everybody, someone say start. Let's talk about the microwave. It's a great invention, but do you know how they work? According to Britannica, microwaves were introduced in homes in the 1970s. They use microwaves, who knew, which are in between uh, radio waves and infrared waves. Microwaves bounce around in the chamber and cook food through radiation heating, exciting the molecules within an object by becoming lodged in water, sugar, and fats. Let's check our cornbread. It's ready. Um, we've got to shake it a little bit. And all God's children said, corn, bread. A um, little bit of a problem. You know, uh, problems seem to pre present themselves, don't they, in life? I've had my own list of problems, and maybe you've been where I've been. I've shared some of them with you here. It says, uh, I don't like the cards I've been dealt in life. Anybody else? They've said that in your life. 
Uh, I thought I'd be further along in life than I am now. As someone who's 32, once I hit about 29, that question starts entering my mind of, you know, where could I have been by now? Where should I be by now? Um, I haven't reached my personal goals. I'm too tired to try something new. Anybody, just me? Just, okay, just me, okay. Uh, I feel like God isn't answering my prayers. Um, I can't forgive God for what happened. I definitely can't forgive that person for what they did. And I've already messed up too much to change my future. Am I alone in those thoughts before? Someone else has had those thoughts? Okay, I'm not alone, good. But what I want to do today is present to you the idea that we take our own ideas, our own goals, our plans, even our dreams, and we try to fast track them in the microwave called life. We say, uh, it's my money and I want it now. Uh, I want the fast food, I want it to be quick, I'm on my lunch break, I need it now. It's, uh, you know, my way of doing it. But we get surprised time and time again when it ends up a soggy, mushy, cornbread mess, amen? Well, I want to tell you this morning, God has so much more for you than a microwave-style life. He tells us in our blueprint for life, the Word of God, and one of my favorite scriptures I want to share with you is Jeremiah 29, 11. You, you may know this verse if you've been in church for any length of time, but I want to dissect it just a little bit, perhaps differently than what you've seen. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and for, uh, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So the question remains, so what? That's our sermon title this morning, So What? Whether or not you believe you have a future and a hope, God's word remains true. This is a promise. But hear my words. On that sermon slide, it says, there is a process, everybody say process, process. before the promise. Thank you, Joe. Ariel and I, you know you're preaching good when Joey shouts you down. I appreciate that. Ariel and I are in a process before the promise season in life. Anybody else? We believe, and this is, this is for me and Ariel, we believe that God is going to bless us financially so that we can bless others and use those resources to help build the kingdom of God. That's what we're believing. That's our promise from God. We are fighting for this promise by turning our attention to the process. Everybody say process. This is going to be a word this morning that is going to be ingrained in your mind, process. So let me show you some of ours. Uh, back in June, Ariel and I had a tough conversation about finances. Does anybody have those conversations? She had left her full-time job at the clinic to homeschool our kids. How many of you guys know 2020, 2021, and this year presented new avenues to do life? Different ways of evaluating, should we do this, should we do that? And we chose to do that, and we're really grateful we did. But she had left that job... And our goal of being debt-free seemed to slowly become out of reach. We were used to that income, you know. So we prayed, and I had this crazy idea after a time of prayer. I said, Ariel, stay with me for a second. This is going to sound crazy, but what if? Everybody say, what if? That's when things change. What if I applied to get a job to work more so that we can continue our goal? We can work in that process. And she's like, well, okay. 
And so what if I work 60 hours a week for six months to achieve our goal? Here's the math. Do you agree with me? Because how many know you got to get your spouse involved when you make a change like that? I said, it would involve this. You don't see me. I don't see you. You take care of the kids at home and do all the cooking and all the cleaning, and I'll be at the store making money. Are you okay with that? And thankfully, she said yes, and that started this season. I applied at only one place. I've said, Lord, where do you want me to work? I applied at that one place. I applied for the only position available online. There was only one on their website. And I said, well, sounds good to me. Don't know what that's going to be, but I'll do it. And then I had an interview a week later. And then we, uh, they said at the interview, hey, just want to let you know, you applied for this sales position, but we created a brand new position. We've never had it before. And by the way, it's as flexible as you want it to be. You make your own schedule. Oh, and by the way, you can have as many hours or as few hours as you want. And I said, that sounds like a plan. Ariel and I determined that if I take this job, we would be debt-free in six months besides our mortgage. We have two and a half to go. Amen. What's funny and ironic about it is that here I am, a tech guy. I love making graphics and videos, lighting, sound. It's what I'm passionate about. But I find myself auditing inventory at a home improvement store all night long. God has a different process for me. Let's take a look one more time at Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans. Who is I? God. So God knows the plans. And it says that I have for you. Who is that again? So God has the plans. God knows the plans. And they are his plans. I want to tell you this morning that the process before the promise directly corresponds with how well we sow. Everybody say, so what? what? Let's talk about what sowing is. It's not making knitted uh, knitted things and and fixing the snag in your shirt. What I'm talking about is a different type of sowing. The example is working for a paycheck. When I go and work that other job, I clock in with a little card and they say, all right, the time is counting. I do my job, do everything I need to do, and I clock out, I go home, and then magically, two weeks later, there's money in my checking account. What we have determined is that I will trade my time to you, and in return, you will give me money. Isn't that what working is? Trading time for money. I'm sowing time and reaping money. It's important to understand that God is serious about sowing. Galatians 6, verse 7 It says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Let's read it again. For whatever one sows, that he will also what? He will reap. God is serious about that. This is great news for us who are sowing seeds of truth, encouragement, we're loving on people, we're blessing people, maybe financially, we're doing things to help others. Uh, that's a really encouraging verse, because that means if I'm sowing those things, God guarantees, is God a liar? No, he will not be mocked. He says, you will also reap. What an encouraging word for those of us who are doing those things. However, if we're sowing negativity, dissent, bitterness, and hate, all people will harvest the consequences of their actions, amen? Amen. 
Just as farmers are sowing their seeds in the fields back in spring, they are now reaping the harvest of corn and beans. We were at the, the pumpkin patch yesterday and the bean field disappeared. I was there a couple of weeks ago and there were all these beans and I showed up yesterday and I said, something's missing. The beans are gone. The harvest had been, uh, the, the corn and beans, the beans had been harvested because of the work the farmer had done in the spring. The Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. We see a process here. There's that word again, process. You sow, God provides, then we give. I'll share it again. You sow, God provides, and then we give. But let's dive in a little more. That little word generosity at the bottom, uh, that's sticking out. Uh, a few verses earlier in 2 Corinthians 9, this is 6 through 8, it says, remember this, a farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a what crop? A small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And I love that verse because that's what Ariel and I want to do. We're saying, God, we're taking care of this whole debt thing that we got ourselves into. You know, we, we got the nice cars. We, we, we put the things on loan. We put the things on credit to, to make other people think that we were successful. And then we found out that we don't do debt well. <laughs> Some people do debt well. The Kiyosakis of the world, the, the, the great business leaders of the world, they leverage debt. They do all those things good for them. I don't get it. There's a disconnect in Aaron's brain that, ooh, I could spend money on that. Let's charge it. Okay, well, it's ours now. We don't have to pay for it. That's not true. But that's what happens in my brain. We get in trouble when we mess with debt. So we want to be generous. So we have to have a process before God gives us that promise. Amen. Amen. I want to give you the idea this morning that the church, our church family here, is like a garden. Do we have any gardeners in the house? I think of Nancy, Nancy Phoebus. She's, she's been doing some stuff here around the church, around our uh, cornerstone, around our stone outside. Um, but I think it's our, our church as a garden because we sow together. Speaking of others, God has placed you in the lives of the people around you on purpose for a purpose. God has placed you in the lives of the people around you. Think who that is. It could be your coworkers. It could be your family. It could be your neighbors, whoever that is, on purpose, for a purpose. And it's quite easy to believe that God has placed people in our lives so that we can share wisdom with them. Like, oh, the reason God gave me that neighbor is because they need help and I got the help. The reason God gave me that coworker is because their life's crazy. They, they, they have a microwave life and Lord knows I need to help them. But I have found out more often that when God places people in my life, it's for me to learn from them. No matter how screwed up their life is, no matter what decisions they're making, there are things that I can glean from their life, from their experiences. And, and it, it could be the most minute thing, but God has placed us in the lives of people on purpose. The fruit of our life 
Think about the fruit at home. Uh, I'm not a big fan of fruit. It's just, there's not enough sugar in it and it doesn't taste like chocolate or barbecue sauce. So we, we buy fruit on Saturdays. Saturdays, because I'm working, Ariel takes the kids and goes grocery shopping. Thank you, Ariel, for taking that responsibility at home. And she buys fruit, and I come home hungry for a snack, and I look at the bowl of fruit, so elegantly organized, and I go, oh, look at that, that's pretty. And then I go for the Pringles. <laughs> and then I reap something I sowed, and it, uh, it's a few extra pounds, amen. But... If we don't eat that fruit, what starts happening? It starts getting spoiled. I see these, I, I'm watching TV at home and a gnat goes, I'm like, I'm like, what is that? And then I, Zoom. and sure enough, I go, something is spoiled in this house, I'm gonna find it. And more often than not, unfortunately, it's our fruit. But if the fruit of your life is spoiled, the thing to do is to ask someone to evaluate your garden, the garden of your life, the garden of your decisions, and have the maturity to receive constructive criticism. Amen. Everybody have a great day. See you later. <laughs> Proverbs uh, speaks on this in, in chapter 13, verses uh, 20, and then a little bit earlier, verse 10. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in I mean, it's just plain and simple. There's no massaging of these words. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Uh, verse 10, 10 verses earlier. Pride leads to conflict and those who take advice are wise. But why does pride lead to conflict? We do not like being told we're wrong. Maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty sure no one likes being told that they're wrong. We don't want to hear that. However, in James 1... It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's a tough one. Uh, quick to listen, because when we're having a conversation, we like to know what we're going to say, right, before the person's finished, so we look smart and, and think we have good conversation skills. But to be quick to listen, to actually hear what they say, slow to speak, allow them to say what they need to say. And then if it angers us, if someone gives us constructive criticism, slow to get angry. Thankfully, it doesn't say don't get angry because then that would be a sin. But it says slow to get angry so I can be angry once they leave. I think that's what that means. <laughs> so in my life, personally, name a large accomplishment in my life and I can tell you the exact person whom I gave permission to speak into my life that told me how to do it better. You know, we got a little pat on the back when we bought our first home. Oh, good job, guys. Yeah, way to go. That's a great accomplishment. But before I asked people for help, I was clueless. Uh, buy a home. Okay. What bank do I call again? Who's the, who's the home bank? The one that deals with the homes and... Um, how do you do the mortgage thing? There's a lot of information that they don't teach in public schools, unfortunately. You know, how do you buy a house? And so thankfully, I went to those who had bought a house before me and said, hey, I have no clue what I'm doing. They're like, oh, good. Here's the information. 
This is who you call. This is who I called. Here's a cool realtor that's going to help you out. Oh, by the way, this is what you need to save because the bank's going to expect a down payment. Oh, and here's, here's the, uh, the paperwork you need to organize beforehand. And I went, oh, man, this is crazy. But it's an accomplishment that people told me good job, but I needed help to do it. Uh, another accomplishment is... Uh, you know, graduating high school. Well, good job, Aaron. No, you don't understand. That was, <laughs> that was an accomplishment. But I had, I had teachers who helped me. I had people who helped me. Uh, our children, they tell me, hey, congratulations on the kid. And I'm like, you should have been there. Here's all Ariel. She's, I didn't do nothing except my hand is purple. Um, but Ariel took care of all the work. So what does this have to do with sowing? Well, you can sow the seed of someone else's wisdom in your own life. You can take someone else's experience. You can find someone who's better than you, who knows more than you, to say, this is how you do it, Aaron. And then, do you have the wisdom, the ability to lay down your pride to say, I'm going to try it their way. I don't like to do it someone else's way. I like to do it my way. I like to try it first because then I don't have to give uh, accolades to anyone but me. Well, congratulations on Aaron buying that house. I know everything. <laughs> you know, I, I knew how to do this many years ago. I just waited until now. Okay. But you can sow the seed of someone else's wisdom in your own life. However, but, that's a big but. Everybody say but. <laughs> until the pain... I'm going to get this on a tattoo. Until the pain of remaining the same, are you with me, is greater than that of change, you will not change. I know that's, that was a big truth that I had to tattoo on my forehead and my brain. It's just Until you get so uncomfortable with where you're at, until you get to a place where like, I can't do this anymore, I just need some help, until you get to that place, change looks like something foreign. Well, I know that's going to hurt because I, I have to quit doing that thing that I like doing to make this change. Or I have to allow this person to speak into my life to make this change. But the truth is that some of us are so fed up with life and we're at that point where we're ready for change, but it doesn't hurt enough. Don't wait for it to be a wound before you attend to what hurts. So what? Everybody say, so what? We are sowing together. So earlier I shared with you our personal goals based upon the promise that we're fighting for. But what we are sowing into our lives is deeper than just how it affects our January of 2023. That's the, the, the golden rainbow month for us where we, we celebrate and we, we pop the Martinelli and we say, look what we've done. We are out of debt now. We look forward to that month, but that month is not just for me and Ariel. I'm not going to cry. It's going to be good. It's for, it's for Adeline and JJ. Oh, no. I'm going to take a drink. You're awesome, Dad. Thank you. And it's awesome, Dad. In case you love your wife. What we are doing now, 110% affects our children, and it affects our grandchildren. I don't even know what they are, who they are, or what their names are. I just, but what I am doing now, when I celebrate in January, yeah. they celebrate too. Yeah. Um, I love being a dad. It's my greatest joy. The hard thing to understand, and you guys are going to cry now, 
the hard thing now is that God trusts you to be your children's parents. That when God gave you those kids, whether they're yours or they're yours through adoption or through whatever the situation is, God said, I want them in their lives because in order for them to leave a successful life, it's all on their decisions and what they sow. So what does that look like? We have to sow truth. In 3 John 4, it says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. We live in a world currently where I'm getting ads in the mail that I'm getting after work. 9.30 at night, I'm reading them, and they're telling me things that are false. They're telling me things that are not true. Uh, on social media, I'm, getting, I'm seeing fact checks about things that are true, but they're saying it's not. And the movies that we're watching are portraying situations that they want you to accept, but are not truth. And so I believe the truth in this scripture is regarding to the truth of Christ, the truth of salvation. But I want to extend that to the areas that my kids, as they grow up, I need them to understand what is true and what is false. We also need to sow integrity into our children. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. We live in a world where to climb the corporate ladder, you have to cheat. You have to lie. You have to set others up for failure so that you can look like you're better. Like you don't stink. Like you don't have your own problems. Well, look at what, look at what they do. Oh, you, know, you know, I'm going to steal their project. I'm going to take that lead. I'm going to do these things to make others look foolish. But it says the godly walk with integrity. I want to be godly. I want to be like God. I want to live a life of righteousness. That determines that I have to walk with integrity. And the important thing here as we sow those into our kids is they see everything that we do. If we preach integrity to our family, even if it's not your kids, there's people here who don't have kids. If we just sow integrity into the lives of people around us, but we don't live integrous in the, with integrity, <laughs> you look like a fool. They look at your life and they go, well, you're not doing what you're telling me to do. That's a double standard. So why would I want to love God if you're a Christian and you cheat people and the people in your life that you tell about Jesus say, oh, you cheat people? I don't want to be what you are, therefore I don't want to be a Christian. That's how the math works out every time. But I want my kids to uh, be integrous. I want them to live with integrity because here's the truth. The children, your children will grow up and become adults one day. And man, time is flying. They were just babies. No, they're not. They will make decisions for their own families. They will vote for people that change the trajectory of our nation. They will raise your grandchildren. If you want your children to be blessed, train them in the truth of Christ. Amen. Then their children will also be trained in the truth of Christ. And you'll be able to look at them as a 70, 80-year-old person and say, wow, I'm so grateful. Well, it's because of what we sowed, Amen. Proverbs 26, uh, 22, verse 6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they, were, when they are older, they will not leave it. That is a promise that I am believing for the Deerman House, and that is something that we will not accept any other way. What we speak into our kids steers the legacy uh, that is the ship of our lives, the ship of legacy. Um, but before we move on this morning, 
we really have to take a minute to talk about our speech. What we say. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, weapons. There goes the uh, Facebook algorithm. Whoops. Um, it's a great idea, though, to have safety classes. Amen? Uh, we had a, a, a gun shoot with the Destiny, with the Fight Club, the Destiny Men's Ministry here, and Joe took them all through a safety class. Before we have fun, these are the things you must understand. Uh, I have friends who are in martial arts. Greg, who's running lights today, taught for many years in karate. He taught with the YMCA. And what's interesting, though, is that even though he's passionate about that, he has spent years on his technique. The moves that he does, how he uses, because his body is a weapon at this point. Those who do martial arts, whether it's jiu-jitsu or whatever, your body is a weapon at this point. But we spend all this time and invest all this time in, in watching videos and doing trainings. We have someone better than us looking at us, evaluating us, and saying, fix that, fix that. And we, we're passionate. We spend money on those things. We spend money on weapons. And, and we're so serious about safety. But then we actually wield a weapon that is more powerful than any of those things as if it couldn't hurt a fly. James 3, 3 through 10. It's a little bit of chunk of scripture here. Stick with me. It's on the screen. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Verse 5 says, in the same way, the tongue, everybody say the tongue, is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it itself on fire by hell. Verse 7, and people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Last verse. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So how does this affect legacy? Your words have the power to destroy the dreams of your children, or they can speak life into their destiny. But this is bigger than just kids and family. Your words can turn people away from Jesus, or they can bring the lost home. Your words can create broken people or mend broken hearts. So what we have to watch here is what we are sowing through our words. Everybody say, so what? So what? We're sowing legacy. Back to talking about purchasing a house, we have to convince the bank that we are a good investment. The bank has to determine that if I give Aaron this money, he will pay this money back. And they take a risk, and they get their money for that risk, but... Uh, they have to evaluate if we're worth the investment. Um, a business loan, you want to start a business. You have a small business plan. You get all of the details written out. You go through a process to convince the bank that, A, your business is a good idea, and, two, that you're going to pay them back. Um, it takes a lot of paperwork, forethought, due diligence. Uh, but before we sow into other people, we tend to evaluate how our investment will be stewarded. 
We look at people's lives and we say, if I mentor them, if I give them advice, if I help them financially, uh, if, if, if they're dating someone or looking for marriage, are they a good investment? Just like the bank looks at us. But I want to tell you this morning that regardless of how people view you, God sees you as a good investment. No matter what we've done, no matter what stupid things we've said, God looks at you, he sees past your sin and says, oh yeah, that's a good investment. I want to sow into them. So what is God sowing into you? For some of us who are going through a struggle or we're going through times where we don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, we have to understand that um, you do have faithfulness of God around you. If you have a home over your head, if you have money in the bank, if you get a paycheck, if you have a car to drive, no matter how loud it is because the exhaust system is failing, if, if you have things in your life that you don't appreciate and you say, ah, oh, this, this is something I'm struggling with, God's faithfulness is still there. Look at your children. Look at the roof over your head. Look at the ability for you to make income. Look at the food that you're eating while you're wishing you'd be at the restaurant. We're being given opportunities to be good stewards, to properly take care of what he has entrusted us. And once we get a handle on those things, once we become a good steward of what God is sowing into us, that's when the doors open wide for God to move in your life. That is when we see change, and it not only affects you, but everyone within your six feet, amen? amen. God is planting seeds in you for things you can't see right now. This is a hard one to grab. And uh, we're going to go into scripture right here. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead. Everybody say ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or abandon you. Now, this one I do have tattooed on my arm. I did not trust that God would never leave me. I didn't trust that he would never fail me. And I was a young man when I got it, regardless of how you feel about tattoos. That was something, and that was the truth, I knew that I needed to literally never be able to wash away. That God will never leave us, and he will never forsake us, no matter what the circumstance. But what I love is that it says, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. If I take Adeline and JJ on a hiking trail, my five and seven year old, and I've never been on that trail before, it's probably a good idea for me to scout out that trail. Is there something that's gonna cause them danger? Are there snakes? Uh, are there animals that could attack it? Like, I want to know before I, before I take them there. But God looks at every aspect of your life and he has already been where you are going. There's a, there's, there's a, a level of safety when I say to my kids, I've already been there, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be fun and it's safe and it's gonna be a great time. Dad loves you, dad knows we're good to go. God is saying the same thing to us, amen? Uh, and I wanna, as, as we start closing out today, um, I wanna let you know that the greatest seed that you can ever sow, as I'm looking at the sermon slide on the back screen, you see it up here, there's those little seedlings going through the soil. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing, and I, I want, I want to reap when I go to heaven a picture where God says, here's everything that you've sown. Here's how it grows. And that's so that, that was really encouraging to me. But the greatest seed that we can ever sow is placing our trust in Jesus. 
you will reap the greatest reward, and that is eternal life. But before you can fully trust the process before the promise, it's important to trust the one who gave it. If I ask someone how to buy, uh, if I ask someone how to buy a house, and they give me bad advice, or I don't like fully trust them, and they're giving me advice on something that changes my life, um, I if I don't trust them, there is going to be a level of oh, thanks for that advice, in the trash, <laughs> you just throw it away. I can't have that for me because I don't trust you. But we have to trust that whatever process we're in right now, that it's from the Lord, that He will see us through. Brandy, you can go ahead and turn on that music this this morning. One of the hardest parts about sowing is continually to actively wait for your harvest season. Is anyone waiting for your harvest? But if we persevere, God is faithful and just to fulfill his promises. You guys remember the cornbread? It's been sitting here the whole time. I know some of y'all weren't listening to me and you're just watching the cornbread. This is our process. This is us taking what we think we know. Oh yeah, I've got finances figured out. I've got relationships figured out. Um, These are the areas that I think I need to succeed. And we throw it in a bowl and we try to make it better with some butter. You know, I'll throw some money at it and make it better. I'll, I'll have someone do it with me and then it makes me feel like this is the right thing to do. And we shove it in the microwave we say, Lord, no, this is my process. I've got this. This is what I'm sowing. I've got the corn. I've got the bread. I added butter. Don't you see my sacrifice? And then we end up with this mess. But I want to tell you that God has a process. He has resource. He has all of these things ready for us. And when we trust in him, we get something really good. We get what it was intended to be. We get some beautiful cornbread. And it's, smells good. And I know that it tastes good because I had some last week. This is the famous Dave's cornbread. It's not just Jiffy. This is the famous Dave's one. Um, This is a, a, a cast iron skillet. Once again, my family's from the South, amen. This is how you make cornbread. You make it in the skillet. It's a process that is tried and true. And it works wonderfully. It's a little different. It takes a little bit longer for the cast iron to heat up. You know, there's tricks around that. You can put it on the stovetop first and heat up the cast iron and then put it in the oven. It t- it's a little bit different. And it's, it's not a square size. Uh, it's just a normal cast iron c- circle. But this is the process that my grandmother, who taught my mother, and then my grandmother taught my wife, this is the process to make great cornbread. No matter what you put in it, there's a process. And it has to be a certain temperature. That's another part of the process. And it has to be for a certain length of time. It's not our time. I want to microwave the thing and get it now because I'm hungry. But God says, hey, there's a process to this thing in life. There's a better way to do it. It might not go with what you want. And it might not be as fast as you want. And it might not be as big as you want. But this is the highest quality I can give you. When we allow for God's timing and his resource, 
his process, we reap a great harvest. Life is too short for me not to sow well into my children. Life is too short to mess around with finances. I'm tired of messing around with it. Life is too short to just be an arm's length away from the promise that God's given you. Would you stand with me this morning as we finish? The final thought for today, and then we get to go home. What are you sowing, and where are you sowing it? You may not be in the same process as me, and that's okay. Because if I'm in a different process than you, we get to help each other. I can learn from your process, you can learn from my process, because we are one big church family. But as you go to lunch today, um, I would beg that you would consider on that drive or maybe at the table, what am I sowing? So what? what? What am I doing in life? Is it about me? Is it about others? Am I sowing good things? Am I sowing bad things? And understanding that you will reap a great harvest depending on what you sow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to get into your word. Even through a silly illustration of cornbread, that we can grasp your promises and the wisdom found in your word. Father, help us on this day, October 23rd, to be the day that we paid attention to what we're sowing. What is the seed in our hand? And what we're sowing into. Father, help us to sow trust into you today. For those of us who don't trust you, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to stir their hearts and prompt them to take a chance to try something different because the current pain of where life is at is too great to bear when you are available to give us great things. So Father, we sow our trust into you this morning. We sow our trust into salvation, that you are our savior. And we thank you for all of our blessings. And all God's people said, amen, amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.